When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer. I'm joined by Judd Zolgat of 1500 ESPN's Mackie and Judd Morning Show. Just going to be the two of us today, Judd. Where's Gessling? He is up, uh, still in Bristol, not getting back until this evening, this Wednesday evening, right before the draft, because he was playing general manager on ESPN. He got ripped. And got he got ripped. Bill Polian didn't like his pick. Laquan d- Treadwell did not go over well. Oh, I took I turned it off after he yep. made the pick. Bill Polian, uh, after the, these guys all mocked their picks, um, Polian would break them down, and he said yeah. that Laquan Treadwell is not a guy that can get separation. Did he say Ben Gessling's a terrible general manager? Basically, yes. He <laughs> called out Gessling as a fraud, as not being good, and said that he'd be fired. <laughs> If Bill Polian was president of the Vikings. Why is that ESPN on ESPN Crime not on the big lead or some other blog? I wanted to see Gessling's name up there. Gessling versus Bill Polian. I told Gessling today on on our show, I said flat out, you got to come back at Polian now and say, listen, old man, four falls in Buffalo, your fault. One championship with the Colts, your fault. I know a lot (laughs) more about football than you do, you old geezer, so quit telling me what to do. And what if they take Laquan Treadwell, which was Ben's pick? He can really kind of drop the mic after that. And I think they very well might, too, by the way. They could. 23rd overall. Today's podcast on the eve of the NFL draft starts on Thursday night, runs through Saturday afternoon, and we're going to discuss the Vikings, their position at number 23 overall, and what they should do with it. Vikings general manager Rick Spielman spoke to the media on Tuesday and said very little about uh, what he could because he's speaking two days before the draft. What's he going to say that's uh, candid about what they're going to do? Nothing. Um, they, uh, he opened it up by saying, hey, we've received some offers. And even if they that haven't, that, even if they haven't, that's the perfect thing to say if you want to receive some offers for number 23. Exactly. Saying, yep, we received two offers already. I feel I can confirm, he says, I've received two calls to move up to number 23. Uh, the Vikings have a history of trading, uh, especially under Rick Spielman. Uh, so it's no surprise that he's open to wheeling 
winning and dealing. The question I want to pose here, Judd, though, is they're 11 and 5 last year. They claim a division title in Mike Zimmer's second year. The roster turnover has basically already happened, uh, the, the majority of it. Uh, there are a few key spots, obviously, wide receiver being one that we talk about a lot that they need some immediate help at. Mm-hmm. But places like defense, they, they can, they're flexible. I could see them adding a defensive lineman, linebacker. There's no immediate need there. If they have a player they really love, Judd, would you consider or should they trade up instead of back, giving away those valuable picks that Rick Spielman loves? He says he aims for 10 every year. They only have eight. Uh, Giving up those picks, maybe only having six or seven in this draft, moving up should, let's say, there's a run on wide receivers or maybe the guy they want is taken right away and they have to move up for somebody else. And so basically you're saying, too, should they draft for what they can perceive to be a need that would help an 11-5 team maybe get 12 ins as opposed to try and just accumulate as many good players as possible for down the road. Um, I think the honest, realistic answer is yes, absolutely. Now, for what they want to get, and my my view is that they're going to take a receiver. There's a few of them, or more than a few, available. So I don't know that you do need to go up, but if this was a year in which the Vikings were coming off a 7-9 and nine season, for instance, or if they had won six games... I don't think they take a receiver in the first round because I think they know that that's not the ideal way to go. So I think the fact that we believe they'll draft a receiver in in the first round, Andrew, speaks volumes to the fact that they are looking to get an immediate impact player. They're not looking to get a project or someone who might be a good player. They know that Bridgewater needs at least one more person to throw to, to who's a competent route runner who understands it and gets it from day one, unlike Patterson. So... The answer to your question is yes, and I think that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, my take on it is right now, like you said, Judd, that, that's what I was trying to get across. I should articulate that better in saying that the scenario I'm envisioning is, let's say Laquan Treadwell's taken 12th, 13th, 14th, and they know, okay, Josh Doxon's the only guy we want left. They can brag about the depth which they have throughout this offseason about this wide receiver class, and that's kind of their backbone of saying, well, that's why we don't need to take one in the first round. Every team has guys they love, though. Every team has guys atop the board, and so if their first guy's gone and all of a sudden their second guy's the only one there and there's 10 picks between them that's the scenario i'm saying where then do you try to sell the farm a bit to move up and i think they could and i think that's something where i think the good teams adapt and you see that from the great teams they don't necessarily stand in one philosophy that's why ted thompson and green bay is getting so bashed right now because uh, at least this time of year uh, and saying well why don't you win more with aaron Rodgers? you need to add pieces in free agency well he doesn't want to he wants to just build through the draft and and so you see now the vikings bend their philosophy a bit you see them add in free agency. Now I'm wondering if they bend it again and, and move up in the draft for a guy, if that's how it shakes out. And, though, I, I think this is a draft where they're positioned right now at 23rd. There aren't a ton of teams ahead of them, I think, that need a wide receiver. So sure. they might have the pick of the litter, and this might be a moot conversation. I, I think unless you feel that a wide receiver, unless it's an elite talent, I mean, uh, Calvin Johnson, but if there is a first-round talent at receiver and your team with lots of needs, I don't think you look to receiver first. And so, I mean, in 2009, the Vikings uh, were trying at the time, I think, to talk far out, out of retirement mm-hmm. the first time around. And they took a big gamble on Percy Harvin. I mean, yeah. Percy Harvin was a top five to ten talent, but he failed the marijuana test at the Combine. Yeah. He had issues at Florida, and teams were skittish on him. If the Vikings had been rebuilding in 2009, I don't think they take Percy. I think they took Percy in 2009 because they said, okay, this guy might be a bad guy and a bad kid, Mm -hmm. but he will be an immediate impact player. And I think there's a difference between saying we're going to take a player who we think we can develop and be patient with as opposed to, holy cow, 
we're really good right now. And if we add this piece for the coming season or seasons, we can be really good for a two or three year period. And I think the Vikings are very much back now to, to where they were in 2009, which is we can win. So let's get pieces at least early on in the draft that can that can help us win now, as opposed to we really like this kid. And in three years, he's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly the point. Rick, not being the exact general manager at that point, but still being part of the organization in 2009. Uh, let's go through the draft order here, Judd, a little bit where maybe they might need to jump ahead if we're having this conversation. The Cincinnati Bengals sit one pick behind them. They need a wide receiver. The Bengals are a team that might jump in front of them, and that's something where... Again, that's a scenario where let's say the Bengals jump up to 12, 13, 14 and take one of those wide receivers ahead of the Vikings. That's what might initiate a lot of movement here. And I think one interesting point, too, that that I've read and, and it really makes a lot of sense is there's a lot more draft trades now since the new CBA because of the way that it freed up the rookie contracts. Now you're not slotted to make a certain amount. So you don't need to jump up necessarily number six and say, OK, now I have to pay this guy 50 million dollars. It's kind of freed up those those negotiations. And so you see a lot more movement. And so that's why I don't think this is far fetched to say that they could move up and, and, do, and do a lot of moving. And Rick is one of the most avid traders yes. of all general managers. Nothing would surprise me if they move, if they bail out of the first round and go early second round, that won't surprise me. If they go up four spots, five spots, actually that would, won't surprise me. And it actually me. would surprise me if they bailed out of the first round because of how much they covet the fifth-year option on control of top-level talent. Uh, you see it with – it takes so much for them not to pick up one of those fifth-year options. It has to be a busted quarterback like Christian Ponder or what we expect to happen in Cordero Patterson, who's just been a complete bust outside of a kick returner. Um, that fifth-year option they love so much, I don't, I don't know if they would bail out of the first round. Especially, too, I just think it would be a mistake if they traded back that that route. Now you're picking up, what, maybe nine, ten picks, and then you don't have a first-rounder? Right. And now you're not adding the premier talent that we're just talking about that might put you over the top? To me, I think it needs to be trade up, trade a little bit back in the first round, just don't get out of that first round. Yeah, nothing. It, it's just that every time I think I have Rick's draft philosophy figured out exactly, he does something weird. Uh, I will say this, though. The one thing that's really changed... Uh, in addition to Rick taking over full power of the draft in about uh, 2011 or so, or 12, the other thing that's really changed is Zimmer and Spielman, their philosophy seems to mesh pretty well, and it's clear that Zimmer has a big say. I mean, that's the one thing that I'm curious about, because if you look at at, uh, since Mike joined the organization, what, they've gone defense, defense. And so the only thing is you can't sit there and be shocked if they go defense again. I'd be a little bit surprised by it this time, um, but we don't really have an exact uh, a trend yet, a total trend of where the Zimmer-Spielman philosophy goes. Uh, it's such a small sample yeah, yeah, with the I two just, drafts. I yeah. just fully expect, with the fact that they've improved the offensive line uh, so much, I just fully expect that they are, they are getting to a point now where offensively they're saying, okay, what else can, can we get Bridgewater? It was also very interesting. Spielman... Very much on purpose because that whole Tuesday press conference, pre-draft press conference is calculated. Uh, But he very much tipped his hand towards why I think they're going to go offense as well in in the first round, Andrew. When he gave uh, Pat Shermer and Tony Sperano a lot of credit for bringing different ideas to the draft process. Yeah, he's not talking about cornerbacks. Which I thought, well, (laughs) right. And one I thought, okay, that's a slight little dig at Norv still might have power, but we got other offensive minds that have power. I also found it intriguing because, you know, Spielman ordinarily brings up head scout. He brings up Scott Studwell. He, he always goes through this laundry list of guys he thanks, and it usually ends with a head coach. I don't remember it being specific position coaches before. And in this case, it was two. It was very specific to two people who were new to the organization who have brought in new ideas. 
There was more. There was something to read into that. I'm not quite sure I know yet, but I think it indicates that they are going to go offense first round. Um, let's talk about Johnny Manziel, indicted on an alleged assault of his ex-girlfriend in Dallas. Now, Judd, you had an interesting point off the air when we were about preparing for this podcast about how this draft feels, at least quarterback-wise, a lot like the 2011 draft. Yeah. And how the Vikings, as they see now with Johnny Manziel's future, they wanted Johnny Manziel at one point, reportedly anyway. That's never actually come out publicly, but they reportedly wanted Johnny Manziel over Teddy Bridgewater in that draft. And now you see Johnny Manziel not even in the NFL, don't even know if he has an NFL, doesn't know if he has an NFL future at this point. Mm -hmm. So... If they drafted him, they are now in this position to potentially draft Christian Ponder again, Judd? Well, the weird thing about the, about this draft and why it uh, it so much scares me as far as uh, going to back to the 2011 draft is really simple. Teams never seem to learn. And the quarterback position seems to be the one position where teams abandon all reason. They abandon all, we're going to take the best player or we're going to help our team. And they play what I like to call musical quarterback chairs. And 2011 is the perfect example. Now, Cam Newton goes to Carolina. That's a good pick. That was the obvious. That's yeah, a good pick. That's, that's bang. That's a great pick. Whatever. Jake Locker had been a hot name. But if you remember, Jake Locker's accuracy was off the charts bad. And so there were people that knew a lot about the sport saying he really should go late first round or second round. He goes eight overall to the Titans. He's now retired. Blaine Gabbert began that season ahead of Cam Newton as far as Blaine Gabbert was considered to be, at the start of that college season, the number one overall prospect in the draft. He, The Vikings, I think, liked him. He went to Jacksonville just before the Vikings. Yep. The Vikings, in a hyperventilating panic move, take Ponder at 12. Ponder is now out of the game. Locker is retired. Gabbard is hanging on, I think, is the pseudo starter in San Francisco, yep. but that's not gonna that won't last. He might start actually if they deal Colin Kaepernick. Well, but but my point being yeah. this whole thing, I I saw speculation that there might be four to five quarterbacks go on Thursday night. And this seems like the kind of stuff too, not to interrupt you. It yeah, seems no, like it seems no, like the no, kind no, of stuff it seems like the I kind marvel of at it. stuff where um that this is the kind of time of the year where teams are sitting around saying, what can we lie about? Or agents are saying, what can we pump up? And right. saying Christian Hackenberg might go 19th overall to the Buffalo Bills feels exactly like that. But doesn't it scare you, the fact that he might? See, that's I don't. I me. don't believe it, though. That's but, my point. But my point is that the quarterback position is the one position that I'll be shocked if five guys go. I'll be surprised if four guys go. But it could happen because teams are... That's the one thing where teams are just foolish. They because they're so desperate to get a, to get a quarterback. If I'm not mistaken, at the beginning of last season, so a year ago, Carson Wentz was seen as a second round talent. He is now going to be the second overall pick in this draft, and he might be good. I'm not saying he shouldn't be, but we are. We things have. There's got to be Andrew a happy medium between 2011 and 2016 and 2005. When Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith were considered the two best quarterbacks available in the draft, and the 49ers gambled and took Smith first. Okay, that didn't work out very well. Actually, but, the, the former owner came out recently and said we took him because Rodgers was too cocky and arrogant. But, which but my funny. point is, the yeah. happy medium is this. Rodgers fell to the mid-20s. Yeah. Think about this. Everyone didn't want to touch him then. and Right, yeah. because everyone at the time said, no, well, we're okay at quarterback. Now teams are just desperate. Uh, but this really does, with the amount of quarterbacks, with the um, the number of quarterbacks available on Thursday and the fact that down to Goff, none, none of them is Cam Newton. It's just incredible to see this run on. Let's just take one. 
Let's just be done with it. There's a cyclone of needing, a desperate need to have good quarterback play in the NFL with a combination of college play trending toward non-pro style offenses and producing mediocre talent. Yeah. It, it, just, to me, it seems like the, the pool, the, right. the talent overall in 05 seemed better to me anyway. And I know, I know it fluctuates year to year, but to me, it seemed better in, the, in that kind of generation than it has now in the, in the latest decade where you've got now Paxton Lynch is being considered a first That's round That's what I'm talent. saying, right. Yeah. But he'll probably go first round. Which is scary. And, yeah. and you see what, it's incredible because, Kramer, you give me any other position where where you can see the draft grades, for instance, tight ends, wide receivers, cornerbacks, and you give me any other position where teams just say, bleep it, we're taking one first round. Every other position they say, okay, this guy this guy has a third round grade. We might move up maybe corner late second round. Now, if there's like a bad team that can't cover, but you're just maybe. taking but, but you're, you're just right. taking quarterbacks yeah. to take them, and this is what costs people their jobs. Now I'll give the Vikings credit for this. At least with Bridgewater, they saw an opportunity for a guy that was free-falling, and Parker's a bad pro day, which is ridiculous. They saw a guy that was free-falling and got back into the end of the first round to take this guy. I mean, basically, they knew that, that if, they pa- if Seattle had executed that pick to end the first round, that the Texans were going to take Bridgewater, I think, with the first pick of the second round. Yep. So they, they jumped them, but I'm talking about taking quarterbacks where the, where the Vikings took Ponder. It makes no sense to me. Now, see, to me, they actually already jumped the shark, and we already went overboard here when when you've got the Eagles, when you've got the Rams trading everything for any of these quarterbacks. Now, I don't think either of these guys are Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota, but you saw teams do it last year with the one-two, and that's just the copycat kind of nature of it, where they say, okay, this is what we have to do. Look at how well it worked for them. No, it's they're not. It's not cookie-cutter. These, these two quarterbacks, to me, are nowhere near what the last two were. And to your point uh, that, that you brought up before, this is also being done. They Teams love the fact that you now have draft picks slotted in because – the Matthew Staffords and Bradfords of the world were back. Were taken first overall back in the day, where my agent would then go in and say, "Okay, sixty million dollars, forty-five yeah. guaranteed." Oh and then team said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's ridiculous. That money should be going to veterans," which they were right about. Mm-hmm. But the scary thing now is because of that, you have teams mortgaging their futures entirely to move up like the Rams and Philadelphia did, giving up way too many draft picks because they can sign these guys at slotted-in prices. Well, it's great that they can get them at slotted-in prices for a while if they're good. But if they're not, you just gave away a lot of your future and a lot of your draft picks to move up to get a potential bust. In a guy like Jeff Fisher's case, though, and Les Snead, the GM, too, that's got to be like their last-ditch kind of effort, right? Eight and eight every year, kind of just middling competition. And, yes, the Rams were terrible before Jeff Fisher came along. I get that. Yeah. But you've now risen them to a level of mediocrity, and now they're trying to take them beyond that next level. This seems to me like, okay, if we go eight and eight two more years from now, like I guess, let me back up. Drafting a first-round quarterback buys you time, and that's what I think they're doing. Correct, and it buys you hope. But here's my question. In the Rams' case, and the Rams, listen, they can be in St. Louis, L.A., I don't care, Cronkies a moron. But in the, in the cases of these teams, my question would be this. When you have a situation where the coach and GM know the clock's ticking, who is who is uh, looking out for the long-time future of the franchise? Exactly. That's Nobody. Point. Nobody. No, yeah, right. Perfect, but, but I'm perfect. saying that's the dangerous yeah. thing is yeah. when you – and I'm sure that – I'm sure Snead and Fisher went to Cronky and said, let's make a splash. We're in Los Angeles. Let's go get a quarterback. Jared Goff's uh, a good-looking kid. This will be fantastic. We can, we can stick him on billboards. But if it doesn't work out, you just traded away how many draft picks? How much of your future did you give up? And meanwhile, so Snead gets fired, for instance. Fisher gets fired. And now the poor saps who replaced them come in 
and say, what the hell did you just do? And you can have a bad owner, too, who doesn't care about the long-term future because you can't get fired as an owner, and the NFL is never going to be a money-losing business. You're never going to lose money. You can go 0-16 every year and have yeah. the top pick, and you are never going to lose money. It's one of the. It, it's not a meritocracy in terms of financially. It, it just isn't. Uh, for, for owners, I'm saying, and for executives who can't get fired. Uh, that's. Do you want to talk more purple? Should we, should we sure, talk yeah, a little yeah. <laughs> Let's talk more purple. Let's talk more talk uh, more uh, Rick at, at the Tuesday press conference where we got a lot of hard-hitting answers. We did. We did. Um, except we didn't. You tried. I, I, you tried to ask about, about the, the philosophy thing. Philosophy. And then even uh, another reporter came through and asked the same thing at the end of the press conference trying to get trying to get uh, a similar answer Rick's out of Rick's greatest. Rick, I'll, I'll say this for Rick. Rick was good at, the sh- at this shell game five years ago. He's magnificent now. When analytics were brought up yesterday... And as far as the Vikings' use of them, and as far as the yeah. and Rick brought up the fact that we no longer use the trade value chart. That's not what we use. And then he's like, "But I can't share too much." But Rick will leave you that press conference yesterday. Yeah. He literally starts an answer, hoping that your head's spinning by the end of it. They deserve the benefit of the doubt because of Mike Zimmer and this coaching staff. Sure, that's where he's got a point where he can say, "Don't worry about what's going on behind the curtain because you're going to see the product." And look, it's been pretty decent, at least with this coaching staff. He has that point, but yeah, you're absolutely right in that. If you were looking for honest, candid truth out of any of that, I mean, good luck. Uh, no, I. It, it's just a game. I don't yeah, care if yeah. you go. The only reason why I go to that press conference year after year after year is to mm-hmm. laugh because it's funny. It's uh, it's amusing to find out what he is now created to tell you. But, yeah, if you, in, all, in a two weeks before the draft, if you expect any NFL executive to give you information, you're an idiot. All I'm saying is I do find it amusing how these guys start an answer, and by the end like, of the answer, you have no idea what the question asked like was. They're politicians. Yeah, they just talk around it, kind of dance around it. You set the exactly. bear trap. You kind of set it for them. Yes. You, put, you put everything in there, and they just kind of, like, walk around it. Yep. Yeah, and yep. try and confuse you as much as possible. Um, actually, I was going to pull up some quotes, too, from Rick Spielman when I asked him about uh, whether or not they wanted to change the philosophy and consider, because they're not rebuilding anymore. That's just the honest truth of it. They're not at that stage. Uh, and he just said, I kind of take the approach. This is Rick Spielman talking that we're starting fresh. That way our mind is not skewed one way or another. And you're just focused on let's get the best football players we can. Always adding key components to Andrew Kramer. Always adding for the future. It's just kind of generic things to say and and do. And then, oh, the other thing that came out of this was they're not um, honed in necessarily on a first-round wide receiver, even though they they are. But then he backed off that and basically said, but that doesn't mean we're not – because he was asked about... Yeah, because yeah, then you uh, Chris Thomas and yeah. the guy from the Pioneer and, Press says, in Chris's fashion, you got to love him, he says, um, well, you say you're not honed in, but now do you want to get one in the second or third round? Just kind of bluntly asking him that, and Rick yeah, stopped him and said, whoa, no, I didn't say I'm not honed in. Yeah, which means he's completely <laughs> honed in on a wide receiver. He's just trying to buy himself some outs if he doesn't take one. Absolutely. Um, give me one other position, the one position you would want if it's not a wide receiver in the first round before we get to a mailbag Offensive and, line. and answer some questions. Offensive line without a doubt. No, and, no defender. And it would be a tackle. Um I, I think I think you need to build in if you're the Vikings if there is an offensive lineman available in the first round. Now this assumes that there's a guy at 23 worth worth taking. That would be my first choice. I need to build in some stability at tackle. I'd like to build in some stability at left tackle especially if that's possible. If Khalil does not work out, my opinion is that uh, Lodhold has no future with his team, that he'll be let go sooner rather than later. Uh, so that that's not a reality there. I like what they've done with the offensive line. But as you just brought up yourself, there, there's also questions there and there's expiring contracts. And so, no, 
I would not take if I was going to take a position that I was sure of, it would be offensive tackle. But that doesn't mean once again that Zimmer won't won't want to add on defense. Um my point also is this too. The draft pick I'm most curious to see right now is Trey Waynes. The first round pick from last year. Because if Trey Waynes is not starting on opening day, to me this year something's gone wrong. And that and then and then you got to question that draft pick. Trey Waynes is a guy, and for all I know, they eased him in, and they've done exactly what they should do with him. Uh, but there's no draft pick that's going to come in this year who I who I am as curious about as I will be about Trey Waynes, the first pick from last year. I have to agree with you on Trey Waynes. I think that's going to be one really telling this summer uh, and how he mixes in, especially when Terrence Newman's still around. Um, to me, offensive tackles certainly should still be in play. Like I said, top three guys all in one-year deals. Uh, as well as, I would not be shocked to see them draft, uh, like for instance, trade back and draft a safety in the first round. And when I write up my draft needs for the website, I don't even put safety as their top need on defense. I think it's linebacker because they just don't have enough depth right now. They're top heavy with their two guys, but beyond that, they've got a guy in Emmanuel Lamore who's got 15 career starts. They've got Chad Greenway who's 33 years old. They got Audi Cole's coming off a broken ankle. Special just a, guy. Yeah, yeah, career backup. So I, I think linebacker, if they wanted to get three for the future, trade back or second round kind of thing, pick one up. Safety, though, to me is the only defense defensive spot that's worthy of a first-round pick unless we don't know that they're giving up on Sharif Floyd or really trying to light a fire under him because you've got four starters there at least uh, right now on the defensive line. How about the – is it Griffin that they signed from the Titans as far as the safety goes? Yeah, Michael is, Griffin. But that's a one-year contract. One-year deal with him so he can be a stopgap guy even if you bring in a guy who can't start right away. And then they have obviously Sandejo who they brought back who's a core special teamer. Right. Um, they really love there, but he could be a starter as it, well. Are we underestimating Lemur as far as what, what uh, Zimmer thinks – of him though, because he's a Cincinnati guy. They're going to when Mike at the um, at the owners' meetings talked about him and about him switching positions. He he seemed to have that, and I like this that bravado or confidence of that sort of smirk of he might not have been used exactly right by the Bengals, and I'm going to use him right. If that makes sense to you, no, it does. Yeah. Um, are we underestimating him a little bit as far as what their expectation of his ability is? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Rick Spielman pays Emmanuel Lamar a two-year deal with two million guaranteed if Mike Zimmer's not the head coach, saying I want this guy in my building. Yeah, I absolutely think Mike Zimmer thinks that he can be their weak side linebacker of the future. They're going to give him that chance, I assume. Um, but to me, I guess the way around that is saying you can create him and make him a depth guy and make him a quality depth guy if Mike Zimmer feels that way by drafting your next future linebacker at that okay. spot. Especially, though, too, here's the thing. They could take a middle linebacker in the second or third round and move Eric Hendricks out to the weak side, and there's your three. My point is, is that they they are so flexible right now with Eric Kendricks. They like the way he played in the middle, and so they could add a guy on the outside or a guy on the inside. A guy like Sua Cravens out of USC really intrigues me, who was a former safety, moved a linebacker in college, can do those kind of things, kind of like this year's Shaq Thompson they like out of Washington. They like the versatile guys. Yeah, so right. if he's there in the late first, they trade back, or maybe he's there in the second. I just... I think on the surface you think, wow, three top picks at linebacker, and I've, I've written this, it would be a puzzling choice. But when I looked more into it, it just seems to me like, wow, the, really past Emmanuel Lemur. They don't, they don't have anything. They have a couple late-round picks and Travis Lewis, who they got from the Lions. So I think that's a, something that could be looked at as well as safety. All right. Let's get to a mailbag before we end this podcast and get to the NFL draft. Well, first, Joe, where, where's your viewing party? Where are you watching the draft? I'm going to be right here because – Mackie and I are actually going to be doing live hits on 1500 ESPN. Boom! At 7 o'clock. That's how you do it. Starting on Thursday night, draft night, and you actually will be uh, checking in from Winter Park with updates. We are going to go. We're, it's going to be a mix 
Andrew Kramer, of ESPN national coverage, which actually is very good from the site of the draft in Chicago. And then uh, during the local breaks, Phil and I will uh, take over and update you on all things Vikings. And you will be helping us by providing updates, insights. I expect you fully to hand the phone to the likes of Mike Zimmer. I expect you to give the phone to Rick Spielman. <laughs> to Josh Dyson. I expect you take... to, to take pictures of the draft board and tweet those out as you get full access. But, yeah, we'll be on uh, starting at 7 o'clock on Thursday and uh, concluding with the end of the first round. Perfect. So check Thank in. Thank you for setting me up for that. That was very professional. AM fifteen hundred and stream at fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. Not to mention all the coverage on the fifteen hundred ESPN app yes. and all the coverage on the website at the website. Um, let's get to some questions. Okay, Judd. What questions do you have, Andrew? I don't have any questions. mailbag. I don't have any questions. Mm, mailbag. Would be a bat. Well, purple mailbag. Be a different PTI duo. It could be a purple mailbag is what we could call it. Top bar purple. Adam wants to know, is Sean Hill's contract expiring after 2016? Do the Vikings draft a quarterback this weekend? Um, to be honest with you, I thought in January they were going to get rid of Sean Hill, and I wrote that. I was wrong. <laughs> Do you uh, – um, what, what's your expectation for I just, that? I think he's – I mean, he's the guy that they're joking about last training camp saying they got to put oil in his arm. I mean, he's just – he's somebody who – with Teddy Bridgewater on this offensive line – Ideally, nothing goes wrong and you don't need a backup. Yep. But you need a backup in this league, especially with what this offensive line is still chock full of question marks. So I think they should uh, look to maybe draft one later rounds or use another flyer on a UDFA guy like Taylor Heineke. Maybe Heineke develops into your backup this year and wins that spot in training camp. What do you think the confidence is in Bridgewater to have that happen, though, where if your backup is a very inexperienced quarterback, or do you think that they would want a veteran behind him, if, if it's not Sean Hill, that they would just want a veteran presence, not only there to play if Bridgewater goes down, but I've always been curious about the guidance aspect as well. I mean, there will come a day when Bridgewater has just played enough where you're like, it doesn't matter, uh, a 30-year-old quarterback's not going to help the kid. Uh, do you think they're there yet, though, or do you think that they will have a third quarterback who they feel they're developing. So they could draft one, but yeah. they also want a second quarterback who's a veteran presence. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think, too, I had somebody kind of correct me on that and say, well, look, th there aren't many guys like Sean Hill who have no interest in starting anymore that can do those kinds of things. Right. You know, a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you'd assume, like, okay, somebody like that come in, mentor. No. That, in the NFL, guys don't want to mentor as often as we think they do. No, hell no. <laughs> and, and so you're right. It is tough to find those kind of guys like Sean Hill, and so I, I could totally see why they'd want to keep him around. But the thing is, if you feel like you're that close, maybe you're more of a Denver Broncos-style team uh, than, than these other teams, maybe you can get by with a lame duck quarterback if Teddy Bridgewater went down is what I'm saying. Well, and keep in mind, too, Sean Hill, and I have, I have no idea what his career aspirations are post-playing, but Sean Hill in some ways as a long-in-the-tooth quarterback reminds me of when I covered the Packers. Doug Peterson was Favre's best buddy, hunting buddy, and had no real interest in starting. I mean, he could start if he absolutely had to, but to your point, he was one of those very few people who was very observant, very smart, almost like a coach, and then, of course, became a coach, a coordinator, and now is a coach of F Philadelphia, excuse yeah. me. Yep. So my point being, Sean Hill might be a guy who wants to transition in, into coaching. So if he wants to come back and help out Bridgewater for another season, that's not the end of the world, especially if you're developing another quarterback as your third quarterback. So just a thought. It's a decent thought. Thank you very much. I'm very good at that. Do you have another question for me? Yeah, us. yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking. Yinka wants to know, who do you like better, Doxon or Treadwell? You know no, what? You've John. done way more work on this <laughs> than I have. I'm going to let you an answer that question. Um, I think it I think Doxon and this is um 
This is coming from uh, experience talking to people who I think he's the best fit for Teddy Bridgewater, I guess, just plainly. I think he's the best fit because they want a physical blocking style receiver, and that's what Laquan Treadwell is. But I think to unlock part of this downfield game for Teddy Bridgewater, they need a leaper. They need a long-arm guy who can get up and jump, and that's not necessarily Laquan Treadwell. Uh, he can do some of those things, but Josh Doxson is the best vertical threat uh, in terms of red zone, wide-ranged, uh, what they call the the catch radius, all those things. I think he is just the best fit for Teddy Bridgewater. That's that's it. That's all I'm basing it on. Not the best wide receiver in the NFL, just the best no, that makes fit sense, though. for well, Teddy Bridgewater. And, and I think the worst fit is Will Fuller, who's been mocked to the Vikings a bunch of times. And, and this comes back to what you saw. For all we see people get excited about, look at this guy's 40, or look at how uh, you know this guy can run the nine route and catch deep passes. You know, Mike Wallace is a, a exhibit A of what happens if you have a quarterback who doesn't necessarily suit that person's strength. I mean, a receiver's talents, unfortunately, are rarely about the, how good it's going to make him. So Mike Wallace might be a great fit now with Joe Flacco in Baltimore. I have no clue. But what the Vikings need to do, the Vikings don't need to get the best receiver available, period. They need to get, to your point, the best receiver available for Teddy Bridgewater. So... You're right. The guy you draft, you shouldn't sit there and be like, we got this unbelievable athlete or we got this unbelievable blah, blah, blah. If he doesn't fit the puzzle piece of Bridgewater, it's not going to matter. So this needs to be predicated on what Bridgewater does well, not what the receiver does well. But it's true. I mean, the Mike Wallace thing, if you, for all people get excited about potential speed and a deep threat and, you know, I mean... The Vikings value speed in a lot of different areas. I just don't think, and wide receiver is clearly one of them. Like, you don't want just slow wide receivers. But my point is, you're right, Judd. You don't need a burner. You know, one of the fastest well, the guys in the NFL. Well, the thing, though, it bores me to death because we get so... Look at DeAndre Hopkins. He ran a 4.57. Well, He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. And you, na- you name me the last time a wide receiver, and it, I'm not saying it never happens, mm-hmm. but how often does straight-ahead speed win games? Unless of you all, have, like you said, but yeah. First of all, you're bumped by a cornerback within five yards. If you're a coward, that means you cut your route off. So now your straight-ahead speed really doesn't matter one bit. Uh, there's just so many other things where that make wide receivers successful that go way beyond this. He, he could just run fast. Willie Gall could run fast. Troy Williamson could run fast. It didn't matter. Jonathan wants to know, what are the reasonable expectations for Chad Greenway in his final season in Minnesota? Chad? I would guess that the hope of everyone involved, including Chad, for his last year, is to be a role player. It's that guys don't get hurt. What he was last year? No, no, no. Because he was a role player last no, year. No, no, but more of a, no, but to stay in the role they envisioned for him last year. Oh, you mean so on the side? So line. that Kendricks doesn't get hurt. Yeah. No, I think Chad would like to play occasionally, but I don't think Chad wants the linebacking core to go down in front of him again and then to have to play like he's 26 again. I see what you're saying. That's, yeah. that's a lot to ask of a guy. His age. He was a two-down player last year. He became a three-down player yes. because of injuries. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, I think the Vikings might envision Chad playing a little bit less than he would like to, ideally. But guys will get hurt. But I don't. I can't believe, and he wouldn't come out and say this. I can't believe that Chad really is going to sit there and be like, "I want to play as, as many snaps as I did last year." That's a lot to ask of a guy th- that age. I think everyone would be very happy if he can go out playing a little bit and as graceful as possible. And if he, and if they draft somebody, or if Emmanuel Lamar wins that job, I'm sure he would rather have a Super Bowl ring than 400 more snaps on his career. They just ended up asking because of all the guys that got hurt in front of him last year. They ended up asking a lot 
of him. I will give him this. After being hurt previously before last year, he I think he did come back last year, stayed pretty healthy, and showed show that he can definitely still play. My point is I just think he'll, he's a guy that might think, okay, I can take this now at this point in my career. Five years ago, obviously not. Yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. Chad I think Chad will you know, come back, play a little bit in 2016, and then transition to a broadcast position somewhere, probably a broadcast booth somewhere in 2017. Not far off. Um, Brad wants to know. It's not our boss, Brad, right? Is it? He doesn't want to know if we're cleaning L? out our desks. Is there an L in there? <laughs> I mean, if you can help me out a little bit on this, I can tell you. Uh, he wants to know, have, um, have the Vikings given up on Charles Johnson? Well, it, to me, the thing with Charles Johnson is if they draft a first-round wide receiver, yes. I mean, you, you draft a first-round guy, he's going to be playing. He's going to be in the offense, and so is Stephon Diggs. And Jarius Wright's your slot receiver, so there's your three. Um, I mean, anything can happen. Guys can get hurt, sure, but and he's probably your top backup. But let's say they don't get the guy they want. Let's say they don't get a receiver till round two, round three. I think the competition's obviously more open, and he could earn his way on the field. Um but to me, if they get Treadwell or Doxson, I mean, one of these guys that are projected to be a starter in the NFL, uh, bona fide, I, I just I don't see how he can get on the field. I would agree with that. And the, the interesting thing about Johnson, too, is I, I know now, you know, f- from your story a month back or so, mm-hmm. that he had a worse rib problem than we thought in 2015. Yeah. And so I think he makes the roster. The interesting thing about this, too, is keep this in mind. Charles Johnson was a Norv Turner guy. He had been in Cleveland where Norv was for a season. Norv knew him. Norv was the savvy one who brought him here in 2014, right? Mm-hmm. He played very well. Then he got hurt, and in 2015, his role, because of injury and otherwise perhaps, was reduced by quite a bit. Norv's not going, in my opinion, Norv's not going to have as much control of the offense in 2016 as he did previously. I mean, Shermer is definitely going, and I think, to figure into this whole thing. So Charles Johnson's allies also might be slowly but surely not as powerful as they w- once were. Uh, I don't think he's done on the roster. I wouldn't be shocked if he got let go. I don't think he will be, uh, just for depth purposes. But yeah, I think the I think what we saw a couple of years ago is probably gone. Yeah, just which, a guess. I mean, it all depends on this draft. To me, that's the biggest thing. But I still, but my let's contention. say they add Braxton Miller in the third round. Charles Johnson can get on the field. You know what I mean? Right. But my like, cont- but my contention remains the, until I see it go. Yeah. Otherwise, my guess is they're going to take a wide receiver in the first round. So yes, I would say to answer the question um, that I think while he might make the roster, his place on the depth chart will not be what he would probably like it to be. Probably not. All right, Judd, it was a good podcast. Well, don't forget, also, we are going to do another podcast this weekend after the draft, so you're going to want to check back, because ordinarily we do it once every week, once on Wednesdays or Thursdays. Uh, not, not this time around. Too much to wrap up. You're doing my job here. I like this. So I'm, well, I figure I'll tease it out <laughs> no, for No, I us. like this. I'm not kidding. I, no, I, so I, we will I, have a podcast not... that we will, uh, I think, do after the draft on Saturday, and we'll be posted shortly after that. A complete recap of what the Vikings did and didn't do. And I'm sure we'll offer up some praise and just a little bit of criticism. Check it back at 1500ESPN.com. Find us on Podcast One, SoundCloud, and iTunes. 95% of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great. Because when I want my spicy shrimp pad thai, I want it on time. Because, baby, there's no time like the present, especially when it's pad thai related. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months, $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. On time, pad time, baby. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19 Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at nine ninety nine each month, starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimums apply.